The Debo Samuel sweepstakes are officially open after he requests a trade from the San Francisco 49ers, but I'm going to tell you why the New Orleans Saints very unlikely to be in that conversation. Then we'll take a look at trends and tendencies in the NFL draft for Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland since 2015, the one adjustment that they need to make that will help the New Orleans Saints be winners in the 2022 NFL draft. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Thursday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, on Twitter, over at Saints Wire with USA Today, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and of course, here with you every single Monday through Friday, Unlocked on Saints. And it's finally happened. We talked about it a week ago. Debo Samuel has requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. But I'm going to give you three big old reasons that the New Orleans Saints very unlikely to be a part of that conversation. Now, there are a couple of things that I should acknowledge. First of all, I should acknowledge that our friends over at Bet Online have the Saints tied with the second best odds to land Debo Samuel in a trade. The Colts lead the way at plus 450, and then the Chiefs, Jets, and Saints are all tied at plus 500. But like I said, there are three main reasons that this would not make sense for the New Orleans Saints. The first of which is the trade capital, right? What it would cost for them to trade. You look at the New Orleans Saints who have now kind of, you know, traded last year's first, the 2024 second in order to pick up an extra first this year. Are they really going to look to move one of those picks for a veteran wide receiver? We kind of talked about that last week. There's one player that makes sense to trade for with a top 50 selection, but that would not include a first round pick. And that's Tyler Lockett for me out of Seattle, right? He fits the mold in terms of what you're looking for to compliment Michael Thomas. And he doesn't cost you a first round pick. The contract's already set. It's 10 million per year. Super easy. But in terms of sending away a first round selection, doesn't make as much sense when the New Orleans Saints are clearly looking to this year's draft to build more talent. Hence, grabbing that second first round selection. So that's part one, right? The big piece of it is going to be, what do you have to offer? What are you willing to offer? And is that worth it for your team? That might not necessarily be the case, especially if the Jets are also in the mix who pick at 10, pick a little bit earlier in the draft, pick a little bit, you know, a couple different places in the draft. So I don't really see this working out in terms of what the trade capital would be and whether or not it would be worth it. The reason why it wouldn't be worth it is is what brings me to point number two, which is Debo Samuel's issue and why it is that he wants to be traded. It's not necessarily about the money for him. You are going to have to give him a new contract and he's going to command over $20 million a year. But are you willing to pay $20 million per year or more to bring him into a system that doesn't utilize him in the way that makes you want to pay him 20 plus million dollars in the first place, right? So when you look at the first 33 games, this is from NFL Next Gen Stats, um, the first 33 games of Debo Samuel's career, he was used 2% of the time in the backfield, 72% of the time out wide, 20% uh, in the slot, and then 5% tight. Now, if you look at what happened over the course of the last 11 games in 2021 season, a jump from 2% usage in the backfield to 21% usage in the backfield, from 72% out wide to only 53% out wide, remained at 20% in the slot, remained around 5% when it came to playing in tight. So 
What is it that makes you want to pay Debo Samuel that much money? Your ability to be able to use him in the backfield 20% of the time. Your ability to be able to use him in the slot as well as out wide. If he has a trouble, if he has a problem with that role, then why trade for him, change his role while paying him the amount of money that he earned playing the role that he doesn't want to play anymore? It doesn't make any sense, right? So trying to figure out exactly how to utilize him in the New Orleans Saints offense could be tricky if the things that make him special are no longer the things that he's willing to do. And if that's his issue in San Francisco, then do you really think you're going to be able to convince him otherwise on a different team? I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. So the usage piece for me being the issue for Debo Samuel becomes the issue for me. The third piece and the ever so important piece is money. Yeah, the issue in San Francisco may not be money, but the issue somewhere else can very quickly become money. He's on a rookie contract right now, which is absolutely fantastic. But very soon, you're going to have to pay the kid. And it doesn't matter how you feel about him, right? Sometimes contracts are all about timing. And in terms of timing, he's due over $20 million per year. Are the New Orleans Saints, who are already invested in Michael Thomas for at least the next couple of seasons and already giving him over $20 million per year on average, going to really take in time here and then devote another $20 million to a single position? 40 plus million dollars locked in at the wide receiver spot, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially when you look at the recent comments that we've seen over and over again about the New Orleans Saints really paying attention to the way that they're spending over the course of the next few seasons in order to start to chip away at their salary cap sort of situation. Not going to call it a problem because they've been able to mitigate it. They've been able to navigate it every single season, but there are certainly ways to improve it. And the Saints are already sort of making headway in doing that. They're sitting with around $13 million of effective cap space available right now. And imagine that they're going to carry most of that into the 2022 season, ready to hopefully roll over some of it into 2023 so that it chips away at what will be at right now, at least a $35 million overage going into next season. So for the Saints, it doesn't make sense to sit there and try to invest in this year's draft with those draft picks, but then give up those draft picks. You're investing in this year's draft to try to curb your spending. So it doesn't make sense to go out there and spend on a wide receiver. And it certainly doesn't make a lot of sense to spend on a wide receiver that no longer wants to play the role that makes him of his highest value in the first place. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Can he even produce outside of Kyle Shanahan's system? We've seen what happens when players leave the Shanahan system. You've seen it because you watch the Atlanta Falcons fall off. And that's exactly what happens when players are no longer in that Shanahan system. Can you maximize him the same way? I don't know. But I'd rather some other team find out while the New Orleans Saints pay attention to the NFL draft, which feels like that's exactly where they're focused. And speaking of the NFL draft, that's what's coming up next. We're going to talk about trends and tendencies since 2005. We're going to break down a bunch of draft classes, look at everything from conferences to combine to numbers, all these other things. And I'm going to be able to tell you by the end of all of this, what the one single, very small, very simple adjustment the New Orleans Saints can make is that will help them win in the 2022 NFL draft. But before we get to that, as that 2022 NFL draft comes to an end at the beginning of May, the very next weekend is Mother's Day. So I want to tell you about our friends over at BlueNile.com, a phenomenal online jeweler that's going to make sure you're getting everything that you need. So whether you're looking for uh, diamond earrings, right? You might be looking for elegant tennis bracelets, or maybe you're looking for gemstone pendant necklaces for mom. Whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to be able to find the perfect piece that your mother is absolutely going to love. Now, look, she spent her whole time taking care of you, so you might as well do something nice for her. And one of the things you can do is make sure that you go with Blue Nile because not only are you going to get a beautiful piece, but you're also going to get 
guaranteed service and repair for life. So you can also maintain it with Blue Nile as well. The original online jeweler since 1999. They're committed as well to ensuring the absolute highest standards are observed when they're sourcing diamonds and jewelry. So whatever that piece is that you're looking for, just make sure that for this Mother's Day, you get mom something that she's going to treasure forever from that fine jewelry collection over at BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners are going to get $50 off of $500 purchases. This uh, podcast exclusive is good only through Mother's Day, so make sure you take advantage of it right now. Use promo code Locked On. That's code Locked On L O C K E D O N. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free, and it arrives in discreet packaging, so it won't give away what's inside. Shop stress fee free, and find your forever peace with BlueNile.com today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Going to take a look at trends and tendencies in the draft for Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland since 2015. But, of course, first, I want to remind you about the Locked on NFL podcast, the ultimate mock draft as well. All going on. ton of stuff going on around the NFL draft. We're leading you up to it with our mock draft over at the ultimate NFL mock draft 2022 feed, which you can find on your favorite podcast provider or on the Locked on NFL podcast. And over in the Locked on NFL YouTube page, you're going to get three days all seven rounds, live coverage throughout the draft. I'll be there. You'll be there. Go and check out the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Okay, so I want to dive into trends and tendencies. This is going to be a lot of information. So here's the deal. When it comes to the New Orleans Saints, they've been one of the best drafting teams since Jeff Ireland really, really took over, which actually happened in 2017. Kind of Sean Payton went hands-off on the draft at that point. Not necessarily hands-off, right? Like he made the big push for Alvin Kamara, for instance. But he wasn't as involved. And uh, Jeff Ireland kind of led the way. Now, Jeff Ireland joined the New Orleans in 2015. So we're going to go back a little bit further than that 2017 draft, which also makes sure that we don't just grab like the best years, but we take a look at some of the other years as well. So 43 draft picks have been taken for the New Orleans Saints since 2015 when Jeff Ireland showed up. Three of those were quarterbacks. Three of them have been wide receivers. That's a problem. Five of them have been cornerbacks, all that. But the leading positions for the New Orleans Saints, and this should surprise absolutely no one, are seven selections each on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and at linebacker. Now, we can break that down a little bit further. Interior offensive line, three selections. Offensive tackle, four selections. Defensive line on the edge, four selections. And then defensive tackle, three selections. Now, keep in mind that that also includes Andrus Pete, who was drafted as a tackle but was moved on the inside. So I'm counting him as a tackle, because that's where they drafted him. That's where he played at Sanford before the Saints made their selection. Speaking of playing at Sanford, Pac-12, five selections when it, comes to the, uh, when it comes to the NFL draft since 2015 for the New Orleans Saints. The conferences where the Saints have had the most selections are, and this is not surprising at all, makes a ton of sense, nine selections each from the Big Ten and the SEC. Pro-ready leaks. Pro-ready leaks. And especially when you take into consideration that what they've been drafting, 14 out of those 43 selections have been offensive line and defensive line. Do they make better offensive linemen than those in the Big Ten? And do they make better defensive linemen than those in the SEC? I dare say they don't. And every now and then you get an Aiden Hutchinson. Every now and then you get an Evan Neal, right? So you get the, you get the opposite side of it, of course. Uh, the second highest was ACC six. So they really focus in on the Power Five conferences. Big 10, SEC, ACC, Pac-12. So you want to find future Saints 
watch the most popular games of college football. But also make sure you check out the AAC because they have three selections there. Now, my favorite nugget from this is that the Saints have two selections from CUSA, Conference USA, two from Mountain West, one from the Sun Belt, one each from the Sun Belt, Southern Conference, Big Sky, and the Pioneer Football League, as well as Canada West University's Athletic Association. That was, of course, David Onyemata a few years back. Pioneer Football League was the Dayton selection, uh, Adam Troutman, just a couple years ago. Okay, what about all-star games, right? So we know that the Saints like big conferences. They like big guys. They like the people that show up for the big all-star games. Well, the biggest one, of course, being the Senior Bowl. Actually, the funny thing about this is that we tend to think of the Saints as being this team that drafts a ton when it comes to the Senior Bowl, but they've actually only, out of those 43 selections, selected 13 players that participated in the Senior Bowl. It's only about seven teams that draft uh, more than 40% of their players are being those that have come from the Senior Bowl. The Saints only at 30.2%, so they're a little low there. Uh, but four first-rounders, two second-rounders, five third-rounders, one in the fourth, one in the seventh. So those are the guys that you can potentially look at, right? I mean, you think about if, if the Saints are going to select somebody that is big and they're going to select somebody that goes to a big school or a big program and they are you know, a senior bowl, there might be a first rounder, right? That might be the person that checks all his boxes. Think uh, Sheldon Rankins played at Louisville, right? ACC school, played uh, at you know, defensive line and on the interior and of course went to the senior bowl. Uh, Marcus Davenport, though, the other side of that, right? Big guy, played defensive line. Went to the Senior Bowl, but then went to UTSA. So he was in uh, you know, a much smaller conference. Uh, the two independent selections that I mentioned earlier, by the way, were both of the Notre Dame selections. Um, Alize Mack, the tight end, a couple of years ago, and then Ian Book last year in the fourth round. All right, so what about the combine, right? The other big sort of part that, what did Trey Wingo call it? The NFL draft industrial complex. Uh, the NFL combine is probably the biggest part of that. The Saints, uh, 37 of 43 selections that they have taken have participated in the combine, or at least were invited to the combine. That's 86%, kind of unsurprising there. So out of the six that did not get selected, or excuse me, out of the six selections that did not go to the combine, um, three of them were seventh round selections, Kawan Baker, Tommy Stevens, Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis had a phenomenal pro day though. Uh, Two of the six that didn't were drafted in the fourth round, David Onyemata and Rick Leonard, reminding you of that one. And then the one remaining that did not was Boston Scott, the running back out of Louisiana Tech. So now let's take a look very quickly because we're going to get to trades and the way that the Saints have utilized these picks and moved around a little bit. Uh, but just kind of recap where we are. Big 10 SEC, right? Offensive line, defensive line, they love the trenches. They like guys that participated in the, in the combine. And then just taking a look at one top 100 selections. The Saints have four of those right now, 16, 19, 98, 49. I don't know why I did them in that order. 10 out of 21 of their top 100 selections. So 21 of their 43 selections have been in the top 100 since 2015. That's notable. That's Mickey Loomis right there. That's the Saints being aggressive and trading up. And as we've mentioned, since 2007, the Saints have traded up every single NFL draft with the exception of the 2012 draft. But only 10 of those 21 picks were spent on players at premium positions. When I say premium positions, I mean these. Quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge rusher, cornerback, five positions. And specifically edge, not defensive line. Only 10 of those 21 trade-ups were for players at premium positions. And one of those 10, Andrus Pete, of course, technically became a low-impact position post-draft when he was moved to guard. 
So something to keep in mind, because this premium to non-premium comparison is the thing that the New Orleans Saints need to fix and need to address, not just in trade-ups, but simply in first-round selections, top 100 selections, top 50 selections, all of it. If they can fix that, then they're in a much, much better situation in terms of their draft outlook in 2022, and will come out looking much better on the other end as we get to May. Let's break that down a little bit further, because if the Saints make that adjustment, they're off to the races at the beginning of this NFL draft. So we're going to talk about that and break that down along with some trade-up, looking at some more trade-up stuff as well as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Like I mentioned, tied for the second best odds for Debo Samuel, along with a couple of other teams, the Jets, the Chiefs are in there as well at plus 500. You want to get in on those odds, Bet Online is the best place to do it. It's the number one place for everything that you need in terms of all of your sports wagering, your sports, your betting stats, your sports info, whatever it is that you're looking for, Bet Online has you covered. If you don't want to bet on football right now, I completely understand. But I will tell you, they've got over-unders for players that, you know, when they're going to be selected in this draft, including like Jamison Williams, who I think sits at, I think it's like 15 and a half, right? Is he going to last beyond 15? Is he going to be drafted earlier than 15? All of that. So definitely some fun stuff to look out there. But they've also got the basketball playoffs, of course, the MLB season, which is now underway. You can also get in on that. And of course, they are your continued source for all things sports wagering information, including live betting, those playoffs, esports, you can get in on that as well, and more. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device so that you can keep up with all the trends and action over at Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints, take a look at trends and tendencies for the New Orleans Saints. Greg Rosenthal just did an NFL.com article listing out Mickey Loomis as one of the top 10 general managers in the NFL at number seven. But this is one of those places where you kind of look at it and you go, okay, I'm curious about this. I wonder if maybe this is something that they look to adjust moving forward. Now that you don't have the quarterback that you used to have in Drew Brees that elevated and lifted everybody, are you now looking to invest more at premium positions? And if the Saints do that, they're off to the races when it comes to this 2022 NFL draft and this 2022 NFL draft class. They'll be able to maximize with four top 100 selections right off the bat, 16, 19, 49, 98. So as I mentioned in the you know, as we were wrapping up here, looking at sort of the top 20 or the top 100 selections, only 10 of those 21 selections, nearly half of the Saints selections, I can't stress that enough, nearly half of the Saints selections that they've made since 2015 have been in the top 100, but only 10 of those, less than half of those selections have been made at premium positions. Just to recap, premium positions, quarterback, the guy that throws the ball, wide receiver, the guy that catches the ball, offensive tackle, the guy that makes sure that the guy that throws the ball can throw the ball to the guy that catches the ball, uh, edge rusher, the guy that tries to stop the guy from throwing the ball, and cornerback, the guy that tries to get in the way of the guy that throws the ball to the guy that's supposed to catch the ball. So those are your big premium positions, quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver on the offensive side, edge, and cornerback on the defensive side. So let's break this down a little bit further, right? Because it's not just the top 100 selections. It's trades as well. A couple of little things that I want to mention here too. Uh, the Saints, two of six, so only one third of their second round picks have been invested at premium positions. The rest of them were on interior offensive line, linebacker, and safety. So they've used a lot of those positions in that situation. However, six of nine of those first round selections that they've made have been invested in those premium positions, specifically offensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback. Now remember, this includes. Andrus Pete, who has moved to a non-premium position, and two of those six selections were used in the same player, Marcus Davenport, 2018 first rounder, 2019 first rounder. The non-premium position selections in the first round have been Cesar Ruiz, Sheldon Rankin, Stefan Anthony. So 
when you look at where the Saints have been able to be successful in the draft, you look at players like Marshawn Lattimore, you look at players like Ryan Ramchek, you look at those guys and you say, okay, that's where the Saints have been most successful. And a lot of that comes from the fact that they're at premium positions. But when you draft people and then you move them to non-premium positions, or you're drafting non-premium positions, they don't stand out as much. Now, Cesar Ruiz stands out because he's been kind of a sore thumb when it comes to the New Orleans Saints offensive line, but there's a lot of hope in terms of what he's going to be able to develop into, especially with Doug Marone. This year, you've got two first-round picks, just like you had in 2017. What did they turn around and do with them in 2017? They drafted a cornerback. They drafted an offensive tackle. Two premium positions who have made absolute just uh, made them look like the smartest team in the NFL. It helped that they also traded up for Alvin Kamara and then had the offensive and defensive co-rookies of the year and all of that. But the premium positions in the first round helped them out a ton. And I think the next piece of all this too is the trade-ups, right? 13 trades since 2015. No trade backs, of course, as we know, since 2017. Three of those trade-ups have led to the Saints drafting safeties. Two of them have led to them drafting cornerback or offensive line. Uh, one of them each went for quarterback, running back, tight end, and linebacker, and, and then none for specialists or any trade-ups for wide receivers. The last trade-up for a wide receiver was Brandon Cooks the year before, 2014. So here's the other piece. Along with not really investing top 100 selections in premium positions, the Saints have also not regularly traded up for premium positions either. So again, two for offensive line, two for defensive line, two for cornerback being sort of those trade-up results. And then after that, you've got one trade-up for a quarterback, and that's it. That's it. The Saints have traded up three times for safeties, the player that's furthest away from the line of scrimmage. So I think that that's the next piece, right? You look at that, that's five selections out of the 13 trade-ups that have been premium positions as opposed to non-premium positions. This is where the Saints make one very simple, very small adjustment, and they walk away with a haul in this year's draft. And it's by focusing on the premium positions, whether it's wide receiver, whether it's offensive tackle, those are two big needs. You can circle around a safety later. There's no big rush on it. You could potentially even land a veteran free agent safety as well if you can convince Tyron Matthew to sign in New Orleans after the draft. I just think that that should be the place where this where the team focuses. And that might mean a quarterback in the later rounds too, second or third round, whatever. I don't think that quarterback in the first round makes a lot of sense for this team, especially considering that they gave up next year's first round selection. So they intend to compete right now. So do so by investing those most of those top 100 selections at premium positions and make the trade up that you've already done. You've already traded up. You moved up from last year to this year, right? And perhaps you can say you moved 18 to 16, right? Depending on how you look at it. In either case, you traded up, you've got two first round picks, you've got four top 100 selections, invest in the premium positions, quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge rusher, cornerback. And honestly, quarterback and edge rusher, take them or leave them for me, but offensive tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, Continue to invest there. Those make a lot of sense and everything. And honestly, cornerback, you can probably wait a little bit on too, just like you would on safety because you're in pretty good hands with Paul Sinadibo, Bradley Roby, CJ Gardner-Johnson, and of course, uh, Marshall Lattimore, who was the big, big premium win that you got on a player that shouldn't have been there when you were on the board in 2017 and you had two first round picks. So hopefully the Saints end up with the same type of luck here on another year where they've got two first round selections. Now, We talked about conference. We talked about senior bowl invites, combine participation, all of that stuff. Now let's look at the specific prospects in tomorrow's episode that check a lot of these boxes. 
And we're going to look at offensive line, defensive line. We're going to look at a bunch of stuff that maybe the Saints end up passing on because of need, but players that fit these trends and tendencies, we're going to list a bunch of them off in Friday's episode. So you won't want to miss that as we continue on with Locked on Saints. Thanks as always, make Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are here with you every single Monday through Friday. And I appreciate you very much for making us a part of your day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy doing phenomenal work over there with their rotating schedule of guests as well and getting you ready for the NFL Draft. As always, I appreciate you so much for making me a part of your day. For everything else around your New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.